welcome to this edition of Cast Collective Radio on KZUM 89.3 FM, Lincoln and KZUMHD. My name is Dinora Garcia and it is an honor to be with you today and to be part of Cast Collective Radio, which is a program created to highlight the great work done by many of Lincoln's nonprofits who are members of Cast Collective. To learn more about Cast Collective and how we help our members better serve the community, you can visit our website at org. You can also sign up for our free community newsletter. Just get there and click the button on the top right of our homepage. Today, we will have a great conversation with Tammy Stevenson, Executive Director of Bridge Behavioral Health. Thank you, Tammy, for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, Tammy, please tell us about the mission of Bridge Behavioral Health and how your agency serves our community every day. Absolutely. Uh, the Bridge Behavioral Health has been in uh, the Lincoln community for almost 40 years and serving those who struggle with substance use as well as the mental health issues that often accompany that. Uh, our mission is to ensure that we're providing hope as well as a strong re uh, foundation for recovery uh, through treatment and behavioral health interventions. And um, so, yeah, we do that through a number of programs, uh, which I'm happy to talk about. Please, this is your podcast. All right. <laughs> uh, well, we offer a continuum of services, uh, starting out with detoxification and withdrawal. And that is often for individuals the very first step when they're asking for help. Um, they recognize that perhaps they are consuming too much or that they cannot stop, uh, whether it's alcohol or um, pills or methamphetamine, whatever the drug of, of choice is, they realize they need help and they can't do it on themselves. Um, the body gets so addicted to these substances that the physical withdrawal that they go through becomes so difficult and quite frankly, it becomes dangerous. Um, alcohol withdrawal can be a, a fatal uh, thing if you try and do that on your own with seizures and um, getting dehydrated. There's just lots of complications that can happen. And so often people come to us for assistance with that uh, process. It is a medically uh, monitored program. We have 24 seven uh, nursing staff, as well as a medical director and APRN that's on site every day. Um, and we really help those individuals get through that process so that they can begin to look at treatment options. So that's a critical one. It's open 24 seven. We take walk-in admissions. Uh, we recognize that not everyone is ready to ask for help between eight and five, Monday through Friday. So making sure that we are available when someone is ready for help uh, is something that's very important to us. Um, we also offer a program called Substance Use Respite, which uh, may not mean a lot when it comes to substance use treatment, but what it is, is a safe, uh, structured, sober living environment for someone who maybe is waiting to get into treatment and uh, there isn't a bed available yet. And yet they know if they stay home uh, that they may continue drinking or maybe they don't even have a home to stay in right now. 
So that respite program just allows that safe kind of pretreatment uh, classes and groups that they can participate in uh, while their treatment bed um, becomes available. We also offer residential treatment for men and they stay 30 to 45 days uh, working with a counselor to uh, address the issues that led to their substance use disorder. We also have outpatient services um, as well. So if somebody needs a substance use evaluation or is looking for outpatient therapy, we have a counselor available for that as well. So a whole continuum of care, um, including recovery support services. Uh, we have two large meeting rooms here in our building and we host a variety of Alcoholics Anonymous or AA meetings, as well as Narcotics Anonymous or NA meetings throughout the week so that those in recovery can continue to find the support they need um, to, to live a healthy and productive and sober life. So uh, a lot of recovery support offered even after someone finishes treatment. Definitely, um, you mentioned the word, the word hope you know yeah. having especially you know in your city uh is like you're saying you know, sometimes we you know we are not ready in the specific office hours and this is so yeah. amazing that uh bridge behavioral health is there um when we when we're thinking about hope is no easy when we when we talk about addiction yeah. so we have a lot of uh, assumptions you know for the people yes who really have a loved one who wants to help or probably um, a provider who wants to give the, well, it's just this path, just follow this path. And and you, we have all the challenges, you know, for people outside, like, uh, but why these people is so lazy or why these people is the, so many things. So what are your challenges? What are the, the difficulties for, for, for you and your, um, your people that are dealing every day, outsiders? And people inside of this world. Yeah, yeah. I think you make a really good point that um, it might seem easy for us on the outside to just say, go get help, go do this. These are the steps that you need to take. Um, and I would suspect most people listening today know someone who has struggled with substance use or some sort of addictive behavior, whether it's gambling or, or something else. And they'll know that it's not just as easy because there is, um, first of all, a stage of denial. Like, I don't need help. I could do this on my own. And I think by the time they are really to the point where they need to ask for help, there is so much shame and so much embarrassment. And a lot of that has to do with the stigma that still exists around addiction and substance use, as well as the mental health component of it. And so they often come to us very vulnerable, very scared, uh, embarrassed, uh, and just a lot of anxiety because now they've lived with this for so long that what is their life going to be like without those substances that they have relied on to often self-medicate. And so it is a, is a challenge because I think when you're trying to help a loved one or a friend, Uh, the path seems clear to everyone else and it's not always clear or it's not always as easy to the person who's asking for help. And so that is something that, uh, you know, we pride ourselves on is meeting people where they're at. And sometimes that means they, they, they come to us and they have one goal in mind, 
even though we think maybe uh, they need to think a little bit further down the road, sometimes they're like, nope, my goal is just to get through this and then I'm going to go back home and I'm going to go back to work and I'll be fine. And maybe our history and our experience tells us it's not going to be that easy. But sometimes those those individuals need to go through that process on their own. And then um, I, I think what a big thing that we say around here is everyone deserves a second chance, a third chance, a fourth chance, a fifth chance, because with addiction, it's really it's really hard and really uncommon for people to just make a decision and and never struggle. It's it's a lifelong battle. And so making sure that we're here to provide the interventions that people need when when they are ready to accept the help is is definitely key. And I think, you know, it's what you're saying, you know, meeting the people where they are, you know, life is a long you know, yeah. <laughs> every single day, every single hour, you know, we are we are in right now in this world with technology with uh, we have to have certain standards and too much pressure work study you know trying to survive so it's really really difficult um and a lot of a lot of us we are fixers too like let's just fix this and that will be and it's not and you're gonna be okay because this is what uh, the medication is for uh, what is you know these people for so it's not a magical thing because we are humans and we are talking about humans so we have also the people who is taking care of their the you know their family member or their friend and it's also um you know the person that we say well right now i want to I want to have this opportunity, but even if I try and try, always, is you know, it's a real effort. It's not possible, you know. The body, uh, uh, you know, is needs some 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 extra help. So how that works for the for the ones for the family who sometimes they're going more crazy just trying yes. to help, and is and we sometimes we are not really helping and and also for that person to take the decision and do the first call please give me the illustration about these steps to going going in yeah you know there's I, i wish there was one magic formula that i could say this will work for every single person and uh obviously that's not how as human beings we are but one thing that we encourage family members is uh setting good boundaries Uh, setting good boundaries is um, very critical in making sure that um, the relationship is still there because if the family uh, becomes so discouraged and angry and doesn't have good boundaries, you may get to the point where that relationship has, has been permanently damaged. And then when that individual does get treatment someday, you know, there may not be a relationship to come back to. And that's what we encourage family members is you might have to make a difficult decision now to make sure that you can maintain that relationship so there's something to come back to when they do seek treatment. So good boundaries are critical. The other thing I encourage people is even if your loved one is not ready for treatment, that doesn't stop you from getting help you should reach out to a counselor and talk about what is my role in this and how can I best support my loved one. My loved one may or may not be willing to seek treatment, but you can get assistance from a counselor and talk through 
how how do how do I set boundaries? How what are things that are helpful? What are things that are not helpful? So by also modeling that and demonstrating that you're you're okay with asking for help, that also models for your loved one that it's okay to ask for help. So those are the two things that I usually um, mention to families: is make sure you're setting good boundaries and ask for help. You, it's not. Uh, there's there's no shame in asking for help as a family member or a friend how to support your loved one when they're dealing with this how do people connect with you guys how how you guys receive referrals is a yeah. be a self referral can be an a provider how listening listeners can can engage with you absolutely If you or you have a loved one that uh, you're just trying to get more information on the process, um, that maybe you think they need treatment, but you don't know the steps they need to take, we always say just call. The first step is to call. Our number is 402-477-3951. We try and have a live person answer the phone 24-7 on occasion in the evening or night if we're um you know more on our night shift crew might get a voicemail but we work really hard to make sure and call back in a very short amount of time and just call and talk to someone about what the process is what are you looking for and we'll help provide you that information whether it's for yourself or for a friend uh, we also do take walk-ins so if you happen to have somebody in the moment that you're working with Um, and they want help now, you can always come in and walk in our doors. They're open 24-7. Uh, we encourage people to call just so that, you know, we can answer real basic questions like remind you to bring your home medications, bring a change of clothes, things like that. But it's really not necessary. People are also welcome to to walk in and, and ask for help there as well. Um, but yes, we work closely with um Uh, Lancaster County Community Corrections. We work with probation and parole. We work with our peer agencies in uh, Lincoln and in Region 5, which is the southeast part of Nebraska. We will take referrals from a lot of those agencies as well. Uh, likewise, we're finding that our detox and withdrawal services are not very, uh, there's not services in other parts of the state. So we are serving more and more people from Western Nebraska, Central Nebraska, Northeast Nebraska. Uh, and really, we will accept anyone that is a Nebraska resident. Uh, the majority of our individuals are people who are either not insured, uh, so then uh, funding would come through state behavioral health funds, or they're Medicaid eligible, or we can even help people apply for Medicaid to get that assistance. Um, we do accept some private insurance uh, because more and more individuals with private insurance are looking for services. Again, we encourage you to call ahead of time so we can talk through, you know, what that might look like. Um, but but really any Nebraska resident and we, we never turn away anyone for either an inability to pay. Um, if, if you're in our lobby, we will most certainly provide you the help we, we can or refer you to another agency. Uh, being in a world of no profit, he's in Lincoln is 
it's a challenge you know we have people very passionate people people like you and, and i'm very sure your team and um we try to to work together to make connections networking to better serve our community but it's hard and um i i hate to ask this question but is what it is you know in order to continue um serving we also need need some support for the community so please tell me how do you guys get founded and how people if they are thinking to to support you and how they can do that yeah absolutely thank you for asking the majority over 85 percent of those we serve uh would fall under that low income category uh, and either be funded by Division of Behavioral Health or Medicaid. So the majority of our funding comes from those two sources, but it is clear that the services we provide are more uh, expensive than what the reimbursement rate is for those. So the, we are left to, to fill that gap with donations and support from our community. And so, um, we definitely rely on our community support to be able to continue to serve these individuals. Uh, likewise, we accept in-kind gifts. Uh, we are frequently doing drives to accept toiletries, um, you know, shampoo, uh, hygiene products, as well as clothing. Many individuals come to us and they may not be um, dressed properly for the weather. They may not have uh, enough set of clothes to get them through the week uh, that they're here. So primarily men's clothes will accept donations, uh, casual clothes, uh, as well as like athletic shorts and t-shirts. We go th through those things um, a lot. Um, so definitely we take obviously cash donations as well as in-kind donations. And we really do rely on the community because uh, Medicaid and the Division of Behavioral Health, just their reimbursement rates do not come close to what it actually costs us to provide the services we do. And for the people that sometimes it's difficult to to help with your treasure, um, we also have this valuable resource, which is time. So yeah. do you do you work with with volunteers, Tammy? We do. We do. It's it's. Um, it's not obviously not a volunteer run organization, but we absolutely use um, our volunteers gifts in, t in terms of their time. Um, it can be anything from like helping us organize the donation closet, you know, what all the donations come in, just being able to sort through and fold and organize our donation closet. Um, we also utilize a lot of volunteers in the recovery community. If you are in recovery and would like to host an AA meeting or an NA meeting or come in and talk to our clients who are in treatment, we love to be able to share stories of people who have had many years of recovery under their belt. Uh, we also uh, could use volunteers around the holidays, you know, being in treatment around the holidays and be a challenging time. So someone who's willing to come in and host a Christmas party or donate special, you know, gifts for their Christmas stocking uh, can be also great ways to get involved with a, you know, relatively low time commitment. So uh, yeah, those, those are some of the things. The other thing I guess too is if there's somebody with a special skill or talent that they would like to share with the people that are in recovery, uh, right now we have an art class um, once a week 
We have a gal who comes in and teaches a 12-step yoga class. Um, so if there is something like that, that, that you have a special skill that you think could be very valuable to clients that are in treatment, reach out and talk to us and we can incorporate that in our programming as well. I'm sure, you know, we have so many, so many people um, who, you know, who are willing to to share their feelings yeah. and they want to also, um, you know, provide some comfort for for others. But, you know, I always think, you know, when when we are thinking in volunteer, it's not what we give, it's what we receive because Absolutely. we learn a lot for for volunteers. So I'm, I'm saying yeah. everybody who is listening, remember that it's a very good opportunity to be kind and also, you know, bring a little self-worth by giving. I want to, to, to tell you, um, Um, Tammy, I'm very sure you have a lot of experience. We are talking about 40 years in wow. helping the community, bridge behavioral health. So do you have any successful stories or something that you um, remember and, you know, warms your heart and say, that's why I'm doing this? Yes, absolutely. I mean, those stories really happen every day because, uh, again, addiction is something that impacts your entire life. It is not something that is uh, treatment and then done and then over. So what we do here on the bridge is we often celebrate the small wins. So when you have somebody who's struggling with something and they make improvement and the next day, that is a celebration. It's building those uh, foundation blocks um, so that they can make good choices for the rest of their life. So we do a lot of celebrating of the small wins. Um, But my favorite story is one of a gentleman named Mike who went through treatment with us uh, many, many years ago and knew at that point that he wanted to come back and work here at the bridge to, to make a difference. And so he waited a few years till he had some good recovery under his belt. And then he came back and worked as a recovery advocate for uh, quite a few years. And then I had just started as executive director when he came to me and he said, I never thought I'd say this, but I want to try and get my nursing license back. Uh, he had lost it uh, during his active addiction, and he said, I want to I want to work as a nurse. I, I think I can do even more for these clients if I'm a nurse. And so we all wrote letters of support. He got his nursing license back, and then he worked for us for many years, uh, nearly five years as a nurse. And he just had that beautiful ability to know when to use humor, when to use tough love, and, and when just to say, you know what, I've been in your shoes before, and you can do this. And so I just always think of Mike, who went all the way from in treatment uh, to getting his nursing license back. Um, and so we celebrate and think about Mike every day. Uh, he really is one of the reasons that I do what I do. Uh, but again, a lot of times of what gets us through each day is those small wins, so. I love what you're saying. You know, it's more little goals, little steps. You know, absolutely. That give us that give us life, and that give us that reason to continue. I want to yeah. ask you, what have you learned as a result of doing this work? What have I learned? Yeah, uh, I have learned so much about people and just the human spirit and how you know, people like to attribute things to their character or to willpower. And most people have really so much trauma and so much that has happened in their life 
that, you know, not everybody comes to the table with the same skill set and the same past. And so just giving grace and being patient and recognizing that it takes different things to help different individuals. So really trying to meet people where they're at, but the, um, the human capacity to learn and grow and change is really incredible. And we just sometimes don't give our neighbors and our friends and our loved ones enough grace. And so I think that's what this job has taught me most. And I'm, I'm still learning, but truly, truly it's about grace and patience and um, trying not to make assumptions about why people do the things they do. Every, you know, we are humans, but we have hope. And uh, Bridge Behavioral Health is one of the agencies covering hope and, you know, is serving on community. Thank you so much, Tammy. Um, tell me again the phone number and, you know, your social media. Absolutely. Um, our phone number is 402-477-3951. Our website is www.thebridgenebraska.org. And you can find us on any of the social media uh, handles by just searching the Bridge Behavioral Health. Well, this is all the time that we have for today. Thank you so much for your for being here, Tammy. Uh, Tammy Stevenson, Executive Director of Bridge Behavioral Health. Thank you for coming and sharing your experiences and the great work that Bridge Behavioral Health is doing in our community. Thank you so much for having me. Well, this is Dinora Garcia, and I enjoy so much to be with you who are listening to Chaos Collective Radio on KCUM 89.3 FM Lincoln and KCUMHD, Lincoln's Community Radio. For more information and to listen to the podcast, visit www.castcollectivelincoln.org. Remember that you can also sign up for our free community newsletter. You will have, you will know about many opportunities and events that are happening here in Lincoln. Don't forget to tune in next week for another edition of Cows Collective Radio and keep listening to KCOM 89.3 Lincoln and KCOMHD. Take care and have a great week. Adiós.